Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore News Week with Martin Carlino. I am Joe Coglin. We are the co-founders uh, of the recordnorthshore.org, your friendly neighborhood nonprofit news site. Um, that launched in October. We are rolling here into, into month six, month seven of, uh, of our activity here on the North Shore um, and uh, firmly immersed in election season. Um, and we're going to we're going to start there with our with our podcast, but first let me break down what we do here. Um, three segments. We do a lead story. Then we go up and down the shore, try to touch on every community that we cover from Glencoe to Wilmette. And then we do a featured feature, um, give you a profile that we've done in the, in the past week and uh, break that down for you, give you more of a, of a look at that. And we send you on your, on your way. So Buckle in. We got more election coverage. It's just nonstop right now, um, as as it should be, as we come down just about 10 days away, 12 days away from Election Day. But you can vote now. Um, early voting did start on the 22nd. Um, we've got some resources for you to check out, but, um, you know, look up where you can where you can vote in, in the early going. And um, also the mail-in ballots are being accepted. So <clears throat> check all that out in the past weeks. What we've been working on for the past two weeks plus is bringing you previews of contested elections here in our coverage area, which is New Trier Township. And those contextual, contested elections, there's about seven, seven to nine of them. Um, and we're almost through them this past week. Uh, the big ones were the school board um, elections. So we did exclusive interviews for the New Trier School Board, which are up now. We did um, a recap of the uh, League of Women Voters Forum for Wilmette D39. And uh, we also did the Park Board, which has nine, repeat, nine candidates for three seats uh, and only one incumbent um, for the Wilmette Park Board. Um, and we also did the Kenilworth Village President Preview, of which only one of the candidates participated. Um, so uh, brief breakdown. Um, I don't know, Marty, what are some of your takeaways from, from what we put up out of those four races in the past week? Yeah, really interested in the park board race, as you mentioned, Joe, obviously tons of local civic engagement there. And that's something that's always very encouraging to see um, some very, for lack of a better term, contested um, issues coming up in specifically the, the Wilmette Park District. And I think uh, some of the some areas that the community really has great interest in and cares a lot about. And uh, specifically, we're, we're working on a story right now that should be up here in the next day or so about um, Gilson Park and the Park District developing a, a new comprehensive master plan for Gilson Park. Then also, uh, there's possible there's the possible addition of another dog park in Wilmette. Um, and then also, there seems to be some um, some neighborhood contention around some recent activity at uh, community play fields in Wilmette. So really intrigued by the uh, park board race. Also, the Nutrier School Board race is very interesting. It's a board um, since we've launched, as you mentioned, Joe, that I've had a chance to, to really dig into and cover quite a bit. So I'm interested to see uh, what shakes out in that race with uh, a couple challengers challenging the, uh, the caucus slate of candidates. And uh, another interesting note on that race, uh, Joe, is that the the board, no matter what the outcome is, is going to be losing some uh, some longtime incumbents and a lot of experience with um, three current members of the board that that won't be returning. And these are 
members of the board that have served for, for several years. And, and in some cases in the, have even been president of the board. So they'll be, they'll be losing some real experience and it'll be a, a transition period uh, for the new school board here. Yeah. I think what's <clears throat> you touched on it there. What's really interesting about a lot of these races is not only the people who are running, which is uh, great for civic participation, but also those who are not. So we're seeing in each race incumbents choosing um, not to run such as in Nutrier with, as you mentioned with, um, um, Robitaille, Carol Ducom, uh, Dukeman, and um, Mark Glucksman, and then in the Wilmette School Board with Mark Steen and Ellen uh, Steinweiler, and uh, you know the Park Board, we have um, two people who are not running too, and, and kind of opening the, the door for at least two. Um, Amy Wolf and um, Gordon Anderson, the president of the board, is not running again, so opening the door for newcomers. So there's going to be fresh faces on these boards no matter what. Um, so it's important. Some notes about our coverage, the new Trier, our new Trier coverage was exclusive. We decided that was an important race, a highly, uh, a much talked about race, obviously first importance of one of the premier high schools. Um, uh, they like to call it a lighthouse, but it really is one of the biggest ones and also influential ones um, uh, you'll find anywhere. And um, we decided we want to interview um, the candidates personally and ask them the questions. So um Five of the six participated. Dr. Chad Pedromos decided not to after initially um, agreeing to it. He backed out after hearing the topics um, that were going to be covered. But we got the, the four on the top four slate um, who decided to be interviewed together. But we uh, made sure they answered individually. And um, Julie Cho, um, who's one of the challengers. And we asked the tough questions. Um, there's, a, there's a lot being talked about out there. Um, we asked the top four candidates why they chose not to participate in a local Nutrier Neighbors forum. And we asked Julie Cho about her campaign funding, which is being questioned. So um, all that and more is part of that. And um, the park board, um, nine candidates. Um, there's so much to cover there. I think it's a really difficult decision for the voters. So please, before you go to the voters, before you go to the boot, um, before you fill out your um, ballot, uh, take a look at ours or the League of Women Voters coverage and just choose what candidate kind of um, you believe um, is going to, uh, you know, improve your your well-being and, and the town's well-being for your family. Um, so check that out. It's, it's a pretty extensive um, look at what, how they feel um, about a lot of issues. And the Wilmette uh, D39 board answered seven questions, which I found was, was great from the League of Women Voters was able to get to that many in just 45 minutes. So a lot of things were covered, um, a lot of important issues, everything obviously from COVID, everybody in every race has been answering response post and pre and, um, and uh, capital projects, financial responsibility, a lot of things covered. So uh, hope you do your due diligence. Um, hope you get to the voters uh, booth uh, or mail it in, oh, um, <clears throat> literally mail it in um, and um, yeah, participate in this uh, election. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, there's a, obviously a very heavy chance that you'll be voting in one of, if not multiple races that we're covering. And the, uh, the interesting thing to note with the, the new true school board races, it's the only race we're covering that is, going to touch all five of our town of our five covered towns. So um, anyone who, who's really engaging and interacting with our content content, I'm sure um, will have a vested interest in that race because it uh, touches uh, all five of the, uh, of Nutria township towns that we're covering. 
Yeah, and just um, so that's up right now. All those we have an election page. Just go to the recordnorthshore.org and uh, you can click on topics elections to get there. It's got all that coverage and more. Um, and three more contested uh, elections to go. We have the library board. We'll preview that. That should be up today. The Kenilworth um, trustees, the Kenilworth Village Board, also should be up today or early tomorrow. And the Avoca School Board also should be up tomorrow. So. Uh, Little twist with the Avoca School Board, some some changes from the filing, um, but we'll have Marty. We'll have all that for you. So that is our intro, our lead story. Heavy on the election coverage. Only got 12 days. So um, <clears throat> if that interests you and you are a voter, please check it out. Um, think it'll be helpful. Second segment, we go up and down the shore. Um, we start in our northernmost community, Glencoe. Work our way down to Wilmette and give you what's going on and what we have in each of those towns. So we start with Glencoe, and in Glencoe, um, we have a, a police story that, that um, managing editor Megan Bernard worked on, um, launched it today. Um, check it out. Um, the police are questioning three suspects um, in, in relation to an incident um, this week in which um, they were reportedly caught stealing something um, out of a Glencoe public works truck. I believe it was an expensive camera. Um, and, uh, when they were caught police boxed them in with their vehicles and, um, the driver of, of the offending vehicle, um, hit both vehicles. Um, no injuries were reported. Um, and three individuals are being questioned. No files have been charged, but an interesting story, um, about, uh, it actually relates to a string of incidents, according to the police report that happened in Glencoe this week. Um, so check it out. We got the latest on there. No charges filed yet, but according to the Glencoe public safety department, it is, uh, they are pending. So we're waiting on the latest news there. Um, and that happened in Glencoe this week. So check out that coverage <clears throat> in Glencoe. And we're going to take a step down um, and cross over Tower Road and talk about Winneka and what's going on there. Yeah, we've got a double, a bit of a double dip here in Winneka, Joe. Going to hit on two stories real quick here. The first being um, that the Winneka Village Council, excuse me, has uh, officially solidified some historic home preservation measures. These have been in the works for, for quite some time and officials have been considering them now for a couple months. Um, but they made it official at their last village council meeting. And specifically, I think the, the most notable uh, amendments to village, co village code uh, dedicated to historic home preservation are allowing a demolition delay period of up to 270 days. Um, so right now, the current demolition delay period in um, Winneka is 60 days. So pretty significant increase there. And then also in an, an incentive for um, property owners of historic homes or historic properties to um, exceed by 20% the legal size of any single family property um, that has historic or architectural significance in Winneka. So um, both those amendments passed via a, a five to one vote at the council's next meeting. And um, this is something that the majority of the council feels will um, go a long way in helping the preservation of uh, historic and architecturally significant homes in Winneka. And certainly it seems like that's something that many community members feel should be a priority in Winneka. Um, and then keeping in Winneka on the second of those stories that uh, I mentioned is a, a little bit of a briefer one, but still something that probably a lot of residents take great interest in. And that's that and that is that 16 local businesses in Winneka received approval for 
um, their 2021 outdoor um, seating plan. So I'm not going to list out all 16 of the businesses in the interest of time here, um, but pretty, pretty wide ranging list of businesses throughout Winneka. Obviously, some some restaurants involved in there and some businesses as well. And these approvals will grant them the um, the chance to put some tables and outdoor seating on uh, on village sidewalks. So. Um, Obviously, with the with the COVID-19 pandemic, one thing we saw last summer was the pretty stark and drastic increase in outdoor dining and people being more interested in spending time um, outdoors as it's it's been shown that the virus is less transmissible, transmissible in outdoor settings. So um, take a look on our website if you're interested in what specific businesses um, got approval and what their um, detailed plans are for the outdoor dining season. Yeah, and these are these are new approvals. So if you read that list and you're like, "Where's Where's Minos? Um, where's Feds Grads?" Well, they already have approval, um, kind of in the long term. So those are always good. These are kind of new that want outdoor tables and outdoor seeing that they haven't had before. Um, so pretty interesting stuff. Pretty uh, nice work on Marty on on, on that uh, outdoor dining beat um, <clears throat> in Northfield. Um, just an update we wanted to give you. Um, we're skipping over um, west a little bit to Northfield about the. The vaccine clinic over at New Trier High School, which began as a um, as a site for public officials, but I think everyone could see and hope for the writing on the wall that uh, would come true in terms of uh, that being accessible to the public and to other groups in the area. And it, it was, they made it available over the past week to ages 65 plus in uh, the New Trier Township communities. <clears throat> and uh, they actually, because of the volume of um, I guess the supply versus demand, they were able to open it up a little further even um, to different phases of the general public. And uh, if I'm not wrong, Marty, they had a, over a thousand spots and they filled them all. Yeah, about 1100 doses. And uh, I think this news broke maybe about an hour or so after we finished recording last week's episode. So unfortunately we weren't able to, uh, to immediately get that, um, that news to you via last week's podcast. But of course we did have a, a story up on our website and um, Joe summarized it greatly there. Initially, the village announced that um, I should say the township sort of in a, an agreement throughout uh, the five township towns that it was originally only going to be open to um, residents 65 and older. But then a couple days later, they announced that they were going to be opening, uh, opening it up to the 1B plus group as well. So all those appointments filled up um, as of this past Monday and the um, the vaccines were administered on Tuesday, March 23rd. So all those uh, 1,100 doses, so uh, the 1,100 residents who, who qualify under those categories got their first dose and will be getting uh, their second dose of the vaccine in, uh, in mid-April. So um, we've talked about Nutria's Northfield campus being a, a vaccine clinic and being a spot where officials believe there'll be some increased um, public usage, public use for it there. And this is sort of the first sign we're seeing. So hopefully as we uh, continue to pro progress here and see some more increase in the, uh, in the supply of the vaccines, possibly uh, the, the Northfield campus will be able to, to take some more residents and administer, administer some more uh, vaccines there. Yeah, wait and see. And we'll give you guys the updates uh, if and when we hear that. Um, moving back over to the shoreline, we're going to go to Kenilworth. Uh, and Kenilworth just 
just a little bit here on uh, something I didn't um, ex expand upon in our opening, in our lead story. We also interviewed exclusively um, Cecily Cass, who is running for Kenilworth Village president. She is slated by the um, Kenilworth uh, Citizens Advisory Committee. So she's, uh, she's caucus slated. She does have a challenger, Paul O'Connor. Um, Paul initially scheduled an interview with us as well, but then um, uh, asked to reschedule and, and never got back to us with uh, with times as we tried to um, tried to reschedule that. So we do have an exclusive interview on video with Cecily. You can hear us talk about everything from um, COVID nineteen response, uh, economic development, um, um, infrastructure projects such as uh, from the shoreline to stormwater to um, streetscapes. Uh, we also talk about inclusion and Joseph Sears, um, the issues that have risen there about diversity in Kenilworth and it being a welcoming community. We talked about that. Um, we talked about a lot of topics. So check that out too, exclusive video and interview um, with the record and, and Cecily Kaz. Um, Paul O'Connor, by the way, um, has, a, um, has a website, however, um, I believe it's called the Friends of Kenilworth. Um, he's uh, running kind of on a platform with um, trustee candidate Marjorie uh, McLean. Um, who uh, didn't participate in a um, candidate forum from the League of Women Voters either. Um, so go check those out um, and, and, and see uh, who your candidates are. Uh, moving down, uh, one more town in our, our most southern tip of our coverage area is Wilmette, who has a new fire chief. Yeah, the village announced last week that um, Mount Prospect Fire Chief Brian Lamble will be taking over as the next fire chief in Wilmette. So he'll be succeeding uh, Wilmette's former fire chief, Ben, ben Wozni, who, um, as we reported, retired from the department at the end of February. So the village announced that late last week, and it's uh, Chief Lamble won't be serving just yet. The village expects that he'll... Um, He'll take over sometime in May, so a little bit later this spring. But he's got uh, more than three decades in, in more than three decades of experience in in firefighting, I should say, and started his career in the Lincolnshire Riverwoods uh, Fire Department District, and then uh, made his way over to Mount Prospect, as I mentioned, where he sort of worked his way up the uh, department and eventually became fire chief there. So, a new uh, new fire chief coming into Wilmette here in the next couple of months. Yes, we'll read more about uh, about him and your new public official there, public leader. Um, and that is it for Up and Down the Shore, our second segment. Um, you can read all those stories and more on those communities at therecordnorthshore.org. We have different uh, pages for each community as well as for each topic, such as news, sports, and community coverage. Um, our final, <laughs> final feature is our featured feature, um, a fan favorite. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about Jackson Oxenhurt, um, a, a sophomore at Nutrier. Um, uh, I'm sorry, he's a junior at Nutrier, um, who um, had a pretty good, uh, did, did a hockey gear drive. Sorry about that. Did an equipment drive. And uh, i tell you the whole backstory. We got the whole story about Jackson. But uh, he broke his hockey stick. And um, he asked his parents for a new one. And uh, Michael, his father, basically said, yeah, you know, that's not a problem um, for us. We'll get you a new stick, you need a new stick. But so, you know, you know, not, not, there are a lot of people who are not as fortunate to you uh, as you and cannot just get a hockey stick when they break one. Um, so we want you um, to take a look at that and see if you can do something for, for maybe those less fortunate about hockey year. Jackson took that to a new level. Um, he started an equipment drive, got uh, the Winneka, 
um, project in, or the Winneka Hockey Club involved, got Nutria involved, uh, you know, his teammates, neighbors, families, friends. He ended up, um, by his own count, um, gathering about $25,000 in hockey equipment. Um, everything from, you know, 30 pairs of skates, 30 pairs of pads, 30 pairs of gloves, a uh, bunch of sticks, dozens of sticks um, that he donated to a couple of Chicago organizations, one called Ice and one called Shy, that are able to, that are able to give um, hockey equipment to those who really can't afford it. Hockey is one of the most expensive youth sports to play just because of the demand for gear. Um, it takes a lot of pads. It takes a lot of other gear just to get going. Uh, and uh, so so he's able to get probably with that amount of gear and, and, you know, dozens of kids able to get into the sport who, who were not potentially able to get into the sport before. And, and that's what he kind of said. Jackson told me that um, he, he loves the sport. He likes playing hockey and he wants other people to like it too, and just have the opportunity to find out if they like it. Um, and this will get a lot of them started. So pretty cool story. Uh, congrats to Jackson, to Oxenhart on the good deed and all the people in Chicago who, who hopefully and the surrounding area who will get to start this uh, such a cool sport in hockey. Um, so that's our feature feature. Check out the whole thing at the record Northshore.org. If you're curious what $25,000 worth of hockey equipment looks like, we've got an awesome photo up on our website with, uh, with Jackson posing with, uh, with all the equipment that he collected. So really, really awesome main photo with that story too. Yeah. Really enveloped and all that, uh, and all that gear. Um, so that's our show. Um, that's the three segments we do. Um, that and more is available at the recordnorthshore.org. Hope you guys can check it out. Remember we are a nonprofit, nonpartisan website, um, new sites, and, and we survive and, and do all this work because of you, um, and for you. Uh, through donations and subscriptions, if you are, uh, if you value this type of journalism, this local journalism, local content, news, and information, um, please consider donating and subscribing and uh, supporting our efforts. Before we let you go, we like to take a peek at what's ahead. Um, I already mentioned that we have library board preview, um, Wilmette library board, I should say, the preview for that, the preview for the the Kenilworth Village board, and the preview for the Avoca District 37, which is now a contested race with some uh, write-in candidates. What else we got, Mark? We've got a really fun feature story coming down here uh, that I think a lot of our readers and listeners will, will really, really enjoy. It's about a um, someone who was actually birthed at Starbucks 18 years ago. Uh, and now 18 years later, both the, the mother who gave birth, the, um, the person who was born and the Starbucks worker um, who was working that day when, when the birth happened in the bathroom, all reunited and sort of uh, remembered the moment that happened in 2002. So I'm not going to give away too many details because I think this is going to be one that a lot of our uh, audience is really going to enjoy. So that story should be up in the next couple of days or so. Lots of election, co election coverage still coming, as you mentioned, Joe. Uh, some really interesting sports coverage coming as well. Obviously, football is back and in full speed. So we'll have updates of both Nutria and Loyola ready to go for our readers on, on Saturday, Saturday morning. And then we've also got the story on the Gilson master plan that we alluded to last week should be ready here in the next day or so. So some really interesting stories coming down, um, not just election related, but some great human interest piece as well. One more human interest piece uh, that we forgot to mention is a longtime barbershop in the area is closing up shop. Um, and it'll be another feature from Alan Henry. So to make sure to check that out and plenty more, the record You guys, thank you for tuning in and listening to us and 
We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.